No Limit Texas Hold'em is the Cadillac of poker. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you. Oh, no, no, we don't use money in heaven. Comes in pretty handy down here, Bob. Oh, you just want a million? You're making a run at it, aren't you? Rolling up a stake and going to Vegas. Welcome to episode number 15 of When the Chips Are Down podcast. From living in a van, playing low-stakes cash, to battling in Bobby's room in Bellagio, I am Andrew Biking 19 Peeper. Here in Texas, learn Spanish, motherfucker. And not joined by anybody this week, actually, just writing this one out solo. Whether you've been at the tables for years or just now dipping your toes in the most complex game on the planet, this podcast should have something for you. What poker player hasn't watched Rounders and Mike McDermott jet off to Vincent and think, man, I wish I could do that? Well, this podcast is about a guy that did, a guy that is doing, and a guy that wants to do that, so hopefully it'll provide a lot of perspective into what all being a professional poker player is and what like, that looks like in today's day and age. Okay, so let's roll right into let's play some cards. Don't tease me. Let's play some cards. How has poker gone for myself in the past week? Apologies for not having another uh, guest on. Scott was delayed multiple days this week and just unavailable. Uh, just had some scheduling conflicts with him and needed to get a podcast out at the end of the day. It is just myself and we'll see how it goes. Uh, appreciate any feedback. Let me know because it's uh, my first time doing one like this. You heard me talk about in the previous podcast about uh, the mystery bounty at TCH and uh, it was an $800 buy-in. I satellited in for 240 multiple flights. I played the last flight and uh, it was my very first one playing. So how all that go? Well, end result, uh, not great. Uh, made it to late day one. I think there was 90, 90 or so players left and 45 uh, bagged and made the money and then just busted out I the past one or two levels they just went pretty card dead I was doing pretty well in the tournament overall for a lot of the day had average or above average for a lot of the day was playing pretty well I didn't really have an ex- exactly soft table but there was at least a couple spots on my table that I was able to take advantage of just had to fold a bunch of hands for a couple hours later in the day and the blinds just keep going up and then just pick up like ace queen suited in the cutoff for 15 bigs and i just open rip and small blind wakes up with kings and he holds and that was that so uh kind of frustrating day of tournament poker of playing all day and then it comes down to just yeah one hand run into another and you're out but such as tournaments uh, a lot of time and that's why i play cash uh so has cash gone for me in the past co- past week or so haven't really played a lot um i played i did end up playing a lot on uh saturday and sunday of this past week and just as i had told Joe I would have been really upset that I hadn't really put in a lot of hours so I I did end up putting in some decent hours on those days usually Mondays and Tuesdays are my study days and errand days I don't really play much poker on those days uh, maybe I sh- that's something I should be doing a little bit more but usually the way that my schedule is that's that's um that's how I've been working it so far Anyway, uh, yeah, and didn't really run all that well in cash either. Not a very interesting hand. 
my biggest hand I lost, uh, just flopped a set and got in versus flush draw, and uh, they won. Uh, so not not a whole lot of interesting stuff there. Just not uh, not running well in uh, a couple of big spots. Nothing too out of the ordinary as far as that goes and that's about it for poker in the past week or so um not a whole lot of other interesting stuff to go on to so i will move on to the main event ladies and gentlemen welcome to the main event all right so to th this week i'd like to talk about results oriented versus process oriented and this is something that gets talked about Constantly in poker, I mean, you're you're all, always hearing like, oh well, you can't be results oriented, you can't be results oriented, and uh, but I'd like to kind of like dive a little bit deeper into that, not only for you, those of you who are familiar with poker and know what we're talking about when we say results oriented versus process oriented. But it's kind of delve dive a little bit into what all that means and how like I have applied that concept and that how being results oriented is very important not just in poker but also in life and it's a lot more than just this you know getting aces and getting cracked by pocket kings and uh, being you know and telling yourself that you shouldn't be upset that you shouldn't you can't be results oriented just because your pocket aces lost to pocket kings, right? Uh, you're correct in that you shouldn't be upset that your pocket aces lost to pocket kings, but there's a lot more to it than that. I think it's very easy for a lot of us to be results-oriented, and we've talked about this on the podcast before of how, you know, you can, you can you know, if unless you're winning in many competitive facets, unless you're winning in whatever competitive thing that you're doing, then that's usually you're do, usually doing something wrong. Um, not as much in other sports where there's a lot of variance, such as like hockey and golf, but poker especially, uh, you can do a lot of the right things and j just walk out at the end of the day losing uh, a lot of money. I think I think that's very important to to kind of realize just uh, not not just in poker but also in life and for i mean for a really good like example would be just me moving, making this move out here to texas and to to pursue poker full time again right like things haven't gone amazingly well here in for me in in texas thus far like i'm up money but it's it's not a lot and i'm up money in poker but i'm not up money uh in total just because i've had so many crazy really large unexpected uh life expenses with the transmission and the engine and somebody stole my drone last week i'll have to replace that i had uh had to get a new phone i've been going through different phone carriers uh new gym i'm i'm paying you know storage for my enclosed trailer you know all these all these different expenses like all these things like add up financially yeah things haven't been going awesome out here but uh you know you also have to look at the big picture in sample size and uh what was the process of 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 moving out here like why did i why did i make this move out here to texas right what was the process behind that well the process behind my me moving out there and i i kind of illustrated this in my origin story but i'll i'll go i'll summarize 
it basically is uh, Texas is the best place to play live poker in the country as of March 2023, uh, hands down, easily. It's not really close, not in, not just in terms of win rate, but also cost of living. Just there's no there's no state income tax here. Uh, there's many many things that make Texas really great. No matter what part you're in, uh, if you're more into tournaments, I think Austin or Houston, San Antonio area. Those might be a little bit better. There, there's not as many large tournaments that run here in the Dallas area, but yeah, if you're just if you're just in Texas, period, in a major metropolis, I, yeah, Texas is. Uh, you're gonna have a higher win rate in whatever game that you play, whatever stakes that you play, um, than you are anywhere else in the country, and I think that's a a pretty solid fact. That was the main reason that I was like, okay, I have a bankroll to play with that I'm comfortable. Um, I have a comfortable risk of ruin right now with my role. And I really loved working for Lockheed Martin, and that was a fantastic job with some fantastic people. But I was required to take three months off of that job, regardless. I had saved up a good amount of money for a, for a bankroll to take the shot. Texas is the best spot. Uh, I have family here. So just a lot of things like kind of just made sense of why why not take the shot and why not move out here? You know, I just finished the van. I have a much more comfortable living space. I have an actual place to go to rather than just a place that is extremely minimalist and I can just pretty much sleep in there and that's all I can do in, in the Prius. I have a of a place where I can work and record a podcast like I'm doing now or edit vlogs or just relax and come home and, you know, come, <laughs> come home. Uh, it feels like that. Like, uh, you know, I can, you know, I can come back and make dinner and uh, I can do just so much more stuff. I mean, this is not all that different than from like a studio apartment in forms of, uh, just in forms of function. That was the process behind that. And I think that's a pretty solid process and I'm not upset with that. Uh, so results haven't been, as I said, haven't been really great out here. And, but there's just some things you can't control. You can't control your engine blowing up. You can't control your, your transmission going out um, to an extent, right? Like, I mean, don't, you know, you can definitely blow up your transmission, definitely blow up your engine on purpose by not taking care of them. Uh, but I take care of my stuff and they still went out. Uh, yeah, th so I think that's a really good example of, of of things just not not going my way. Like, so then you'd ask like, okay, well, do things haven't really gone great? I've spent a lot of money. So do I do I think coming out here for poker was a bad decision? And the answer is no, I don't think so. I'm I'm not unhappy with my choices. Uh, really, apart from finances, things have gone really well. <laughs> as, as funny as that sounds, uh, things have gone really well. I, I've been able to plug in with my sister's church and get to know my sister and brother-in-law uh, a lot better uh, in this instance. So that's been that's been nice to connect with them. I've made some really good friends, both uh, in poker and outside of poker. I really enjoy Dallas just as a, as a city. There's a whole lot of st cool stuff here to do. Kind of have a little bit of everything. Technology today, you know, I'm still able to 
uh, stay connected with friends and family back in Vegas and uh, back in Florida and my mom and dad. So I think it was still a good decision to to come out here, and I don't regret making the move despite things not really going all that great to start. I do have an announcement to make for what my plans will be in April, but I'm going to hold off on that until probably the next podcast with, with Scott a week from now. Uh, just a little teaser, uh, but... Yeah, April should be a really exciting month. There's a lot of things in life where you should just focus on your process and focus on the why behind it. Uh, understand the why behind why you are doing something, right? Just just like if you're studying, you know, a poker hand and you're looking at what Pio or some other solver is doing with a certain hand, it's not really in this spot on the turn, the solver is betting one third, you know, 85% of the time, it's betting two-thirds, 10% of the time, and then 5% of the time, it's betting 1.5x pot. You know, it's not really important to know though that that it's doing those exact frequencies, right? And memorizing those frequencies for that spot in that hand, that's not very important. What's, what is important is to understand, okay, why does solver prefer betting here 85% of the time, one-third. Why does it really like that sizing? And let's kind of break that down and understand why it is doing this and why does it think that this is – why is it showing that this is the most plus EV move that we can that we can do? That's that's really why what you want to examine, not in just poker hands, but in a lot of the forms of life. You know, like I I ride motorcycles and I've done so at a world record pace. So I I'm not a professional motorcycle rider, but I know what I'm talking about when it comes to riding bikes. A lot of what you have to do as a as a rider is just you pretty much ride as if every other driver on the road is a trained assassin ready to kill you. And you're you're always working playing the what if game of what if this car stops short? What if this car changes lanes? What if this guy does pull out in front of me? What if you know what if what if what if? And just projecting forward for what what the, what the next five seconds of your life are going to look like, and what your actions are going to be as a result of those actions or inactions of other people that are outside of your control. That's really um, writing at its core, all the things in your head, and then you can still end up on the asphalt. I, I had that happen last year. I was riding my scooter through the mountains in Tennessee. It's a beautiful day, just cruising along, coming up to this country club entrance on the right-hand side, and there's a Lexus waiting to pull out of the country club. And so I see the car, and... Uh, there, it's not a. There's no shoulder on this road, and then the country club has a wall that goes right along the road. So there's not really. Not only is there no shoulder, there's 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 literally no shoulder. There's it's just a wall right there, and so it's a little bit tight of an area that I'm coming up to, and I see this car, and he's he he's looking at me, which doesn't always mean that they see you, but he is looking at me, and. 
so I'm riding along and, um, you know, I'm, my first instinct is, okay, is this guy going to pull out? And then as I get within, you know, 15 feet of him, I'm like, okay, he's not going to pull out. So uh, I'm going to go ahead. And then he decides last second, no, he is going to pull out. And so he does end up pulling out right in front of me. And I would have been able to avoid him, but at the last second, he realized that that was a really bad mistake, that he had made a huge error in pulling out in front of me. And so he had, he's in this large Lexus sedan, four-door, and he in the middle of the road, he decides to hit the brakes, and he just, he just, he should just stop, and he just froze. So he is blocking the entire road at this point, and there's no shoulder, and there's just a wall and this car in front of me so i there's not much choice i slam on both my brakes as effectively as i can but that's still not enough time at that speed and i end up crashing into the the hood of this guy's car i was wearing full gear you know helmet jacket and armored pants armored boots the whole nine yards and i get up i'm okay i'm not injured no broken bones uh just a little bit shaken as i think anyone would be and he says, are you okay? I said, yeah, I'm fine. And he says, okay, do I just go on then? And I was like, no, you just caused an accident. You need to pull over right now. Like we need to, we, this, this needs to be uh, discussed. Like the, the police should be called. Uh, and yeah, uh, my, my scooter's in 50 pieces on the ground. Uh, yeah, this is, this is not, this is, you know, uh, this is not okay. You just, uh, you you not get to leave. Um, he uh, he did um he he did end up leaving anyway. He he did uh a hit and run, and thankfully my insurance still uh, covered that. And uh, police uh, searched for him with no uh with no effect. So that part was unfortunate. But you know again like I can't be results oriented. Like you know that that's not my only motorcycle crash. I've, as I've talked about my my other one where it was uh, quite bad in California, uh, hitting the hitting the truck, and barely made it out alive. You know just because those wrecks have happened, those are results of me riding a motorcycle. If I don't ride a motorcycle, none of those things happen, right? But does that mean that riding a motorcycle is bad? Well, not necessarily. That's just part of the variance, as we talked about last week, of, of embracing the variance and accepting the variance, accepting the risk. Well, part of the variance of riding motorcycles, part of the risk of riding motorcycles is it's dangerous. It's much more dangerous than riding in a car in the event that you are in a motorcycle accident. The chances of you being involved in a motorcycle accident uh, versus riding in a car are actually much lower just because of so many people are in cars. And just the fact that you are in a car versus a motorcycle, your chances of being involved in an accident with another car are higher. And cars are not able to, you know, in some instances, cars are not able to maneuver as well around and avoid an accident as motorcycles are. So... You know, there's no seatbelts on motorcycles. There are airbags, actually, that you can wear as an airbag suit. Uh, but even that isn't guaranteed to save your life. 
and yeah, it's just a much more dangerous thing to to ride a motorcycle versus riding a car. And part of the variance and part of the risk that you accept is of riding a motorcycle is that yeah, this could definitely happen. But it's something that I really enjoy. Something that brings me a lot of joy and fulfillment in my life, and. Uh, it's something that I have really good friends that also enjoy the same thing and we're able to enjoy that together and have this community together. And then last June I was able to, you know, break a world record on my motorcycle. And that was kind of just like a really redeeming fact in a lot of ways of that, you know, I did it on the same motorcycle that I had, that I had the really bad crash on. I completed the record in California. I had the really bad wreck in California. So it, it, there was this a couple like little small nuances that made that really cool. And to be able to do something like that successfully is an extremely difficult feat. And it's there's just a, so much planning goes into it and so much. Uh, uh, preparation and it really takes a, a dedicated team behind you trying to make sure ensure that you have the greatest chance of success and even after you do everything right you still have to run good you still have to get lucky i remember watching an interview the other day of this woman who she just broken the record for women for uh, highest highest wave ever served as a woman I, I believe it was over 100 feet it was i forget the exact um number but it was it was a monster wave just an absolute beast of a wave and so she was giving this this interview on this news station and and the inter interviewer asked her like what is going through your mind when that wave comes and and as as you're rising up you know so many feet uh above the this the surface of the water like what's take us through that thought process like what's what's going on what's going through your mind the girl just kind of looks at her and she's like well not a lot to be honest <laughs> like uh the the time to think was before the wave came <laughs> like you're once once you're once you're in it you just kind of go out and perform. You're adjusting your body position and your weight and sensing where the wave is and where your toes need to be and where the balance point should be and and what is what is, you know, coming up in the next few seconds that uh it, you're uh, of how the wave is going to go, but you're not really thinking about a lot like this is why you train and this is why you do all this stuff before the wave comes is for this moment now all you do in this moment is just execute uh, all your all you've done in practice and that's kind of how playing poker is you're you're not really thinking about like oh well what does my range look like here and how many combos of 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 you know ace aces are out there in this hand or you know how many combos of top pair does he have here and where am i in, at in this range and you're you're kind of doing it very shorthand in your mind of just like you just kind of go out and you execute and I remember I was at the LAPC one year and I was talking with Christian Soto on the on the break and I was like so like when you know when when you're playing these big tournaments you know do you do you like afterwards do you go and like run your hand through some solvers or and he's like no no he's like he's like when we're on these trips like you just go out and execute, man. Like, like the time to study is 
before you take the trip like you know not, not that you don't like talk about hands or whatever but as far as like really diving diving into seeing if you're making mistakes or not no you're you're here to play and your your mind needs to be focused on on playing well and so i say all of that stuff going just all that stuff is related to just having a good process but yeah uh all that's to say like just in whatever you're doing in life i believe in whatever choices that you face you should just be focused on having a good process and then let the results fall where they may you should definitely put in all your money in it with aces you know, and I believe I made a good decision by moving out here to Texas, even though things haven't really gone all that well for me. It's still a pretty small sample size. It's like 200 something hours at this point. It's not all that much. And that number should be higher. It can go both ways. Just because things have gone fairly bad or fairly good, that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a great decision or a poor decision. And that can be difficult to kind of relate to people that are outside of poker and don't really understand how things are going like it's it's it can be difficult to i think my some of my friends and family understand but some some of them some of my friends and family also don't understand uh they they only understand the end result of being up or down money and that's that kind of being like the final thing Right. I mean, I've made money in hockey. Hockey's been going really well, and I've I've had a good hockey season, and that's just all my own work. And you know, waking up in the morning and seeing what the lines are, and going through each game, game by game, and looking through the metrics and the statistics, and just trying to find an edge, and then looking at where the line is, and if that line is where I think it should be then I don't have a bet. If the line is off from where I think it should be, then I make a bet. And I've done that hundreds of times this season and made money doing so. And that's because I believe in large part because that's because I have a good process. But you're still going to lose a lot of time <laughs> when you when you have that. I really good ex- I'll talk about this on the next podcast. But yeah, really good example. I had... Two days ago, I had a two-unit play on uh, on the pe- pe- Penguins, uh, and the Penguins played a phenomenal game. They had, I believe, like 45, 47 shots to 17 expected goals were like 3.58 to 1.72. Uh, High-danger chances were 16 to 9. They just absolutely dominated that game in every way, shape, and form. And they lost two to one just because they ran into a hot goalie who stopped uh, 46 of 47 shots. That's going to happen sometimes. That doesn't mean that was a bad bet on the Penguins. Uh, It was, I will make that bet 100 times out of 100 times again. And you show any other NHL better what those metrics are and they're saying yeah i would absolutely bet on the penguins here uh yeah it's not really close they should they should win this game uh very handily a lot of the time but sometimes that's not the way that it works i mean there's as you know there's variance in all ways shapes and forms and everything in life it has is risky everything in life has 
some form of variance just because things go bad or poorly it's important to kind of take your step back from and remove yourself from uh, the outcome of, of something happening and look at the process of, okay, what, what did, the, why did you make this decision? Okay. Why, why did you decide to flat ace king instead of four betting it here? You know, why did, why did you make the decision to go out with this girl? Why did you make the decision to take this job? Why did you make the decision to buy this house? These are, uh, it's something that you can apply across absolutely all facets of life. And I think it's, something that you should it's just how you should think about problems logically and come to a logical conclusion on whether you're making good decisions you should definitely talk to your friends and family and other people you trust and consult with them uh but you know at the end of the day like you just need nobody is going to know your process more genuinely than you do you know, be honest with yourself. I just listened to the Bill Simmons podcast with, uh, with Matt Damon and, and where he interviewed Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, two A-list movie celebrities, and they'll go down in history as, uh, in movie history as as being very iconic, and they were saying a lot of the same similar things that I am, especially when they were first starting out in their careers, like, yeah. Absolutely everybody told us not to do this. And uh, it's kind of similar to poker in that way. Like almost nobody is going to tell you you should absolutely be a professional poker player. But those who make it, uh, they're just they're likely going to make it whether regardless of of the fact uh, that of people telling them or not. And acting, I think, is a pretty similar way in that if you're going to make it in acting, which is extremely hard, much harder than poker, I would, I believe that's your passion. And that's something that you, and if you think that you have a good process and you believe that this is in your potential, uh, then to succeed, then, then you will succeed. Um, I really like listening to some old Jim Rome stuff, just, uh, an older, uh, speaker, who just has a lot of really great stuff. I used some of his quotes in the last podcast with that Scott and I did. Let me give you a Bible philosophy that teaches how to get whatever you want. Here's what it says if you're ready. It says, ask, that's it, end of notes, ask. If there's one art in life to learn extremely well, that's got to be one of them. The art of asking. What does ask mean? Ask means, what do you want? It says ask and what? A guy ought to look into that. <laughs> so many of us don't ask, and that was also in, if that sounds familiar, that was also in Jim Carrey's commencement speech. What we want seems impossibly out of reach, so we don't dare to ask the universe for it. There's so many ways to, to make money and ha be successful in life, and whether it be in poker or in other forms of life, there's there's a lot of ways that you can, that you can uh, provide for yourself.
and make a livable income. Okay, so moving on to catch these hands. Why did you throw me gloves? To catch these hands! Yeah! And let's talk about a couple of hands. I, I do have a couple of hands from uh, a tournament I played, not the Mystery Bounty, but from another daily tournament that I played at another card room here in Dallas. So this is a daily tournament uh, playing in like a $100 buy-in here, and we're fairly deep into the tournament, not in the money yet, but uh, very late in the late stages, and start the hand with 115,000 chips at 1,500 big blind. So I am in the hijack with Jack-10 offsuit. I raise to 4,000. The button calls and the blinds both fold, so we are heads up to a flop. We see a flop of Ace-9-4, Rainbow. And so not a great board for our specific hand. We do have some backdoor straights possibilities. But I decided to see it here for 5,000, not not just because this is the board that I'm going to have a very high CBET frequency on, but Jack High, Jack 10 High does not really have a last showdown. It does turn equity sometimes, uh, and with cards that we can barrel on, and his continuing range is also going to be. Uh, a lot of hands worse than ASEX with uh, other pocket pairs and back, some backdoor straight draws, backdoor flush draws. Jack 10 Hyde not being very good as far as showdown, planning to barrel on any cards that give us equity. I opted for a bet of 5,000 here, and he does call, so we are still heads up to the turn. Turn We turn a pair with the Jack of Hearts, so it's a full rainbow board now. And we now have second pair on Ace-9-4 Jack with Jack-10. This is not one of the cards that I will be barreling. Now I have a pretty good showdown hand, and I now beat a lot of his continuing range. Uh, I beat things like pocket sixes through pocket eights. I beat any 9x that calls any uh, a lot of other draws and pretty much only losing to his ASEX hands that don't check, raise, flop. Now my hand serves just pretty good as a check, and I he uh, I check, and he checks it back. So feeling very confident that we have the best hand when he checks it back here on the turn. And the river bricks out with a deuce, and I check like, once more. Just playing a check call most sizes, I think. Um, as I stated on the turn, I think my hand here is good most of the time, and uh, there's a lot of stuff that I beat, and I think I beat more hands than I don't, barring it not being a super nit who's just not going to put in any money with uh, without an ace, but this wasn't the case versus this particular million. So I check, I do face a bet of 12,000, and I don't think too long and put in the call and my hand is good. So get a good result there. But I think, how did you think that process was? Uh, I think it was reasonable. Uh, sitting 140K effective at 2K big blind. Pocket queens here in middle position to 6,000. The cutoff calls and the big blind calls. So we are three ways to a flop. 
see a flop of 10-9-6 with the 9-6 of spades. I do not have a spade in my hand. I've read queens. And it checks to us. And definitely a board that I'm looking to see bet. And uh, just a lot of worse hands that we can get value from. Not a great board. There's plenty, uh, pretty wet board with plenty of straights and flush draws available. With 18,000 in the pot, I do want to bet a little on the larger side here. And I opt for a bet of 12,000. And the cutoff fall calls and the big blind also calls. So we're now three ways to the turn. The turn is a nine and the big blind checks it over to us. And this is not the best card in the deck. Our, we are up against a decent amount of 9x here that calls. But in terms of all the cards that are bad, Jack or Ada Spades would be a, a pretty bad card. Being that it is just the second card, if this turn card was a 10, I think this is a very easy check. I still think there's plenty of worse hands that we can get value from. Still more straight draws and flush draws here than there are 9x and I don't I don't I think I don't think we can be too worried about monsters on the bed in this instance. So I do opt for a bet of 32,000 here and the cutoff folds in the big blind calls. So we're still heads up to a river which doesn't fall uh, which isn't the best river in the deck. It is the Jack of Hearts. The big one does check it over to us. Uh, and I don't really see much value here in continuing to barrel. Uh, my hand obviously can't stand a check raise. Uh, this might might be a mistake. And maybe should just be a bet fold. Because villain is not going to check raise bluff often enough and we can bet confidently just trying to get value but i'm not really sure of what all that we are beating at this point that is willing to call a bet i don't think there's any very much 10x that is going to call on this run out of 10 9 6 9 jack i don't see us getting a lot of value from just a 10 obviously any busted draws are just Folding, I don't think we're gonna get hero called by like ace high, so just a pretty unfortunate run out. And I don't think our hand really warrants three streets here, so I do opt for a check back and we show and we're good. Wanted to include a couple tournament hands. The last segment would be how the turntables. Well, well, well. How the turntables. In my session on Sunday, I did play at a pretty fun table and had one gentleman there who was driving some of the conversation and had some pretty interesting things to say. He announced that he was leaving soon and when he was in the cutoff, he announced that once the button got to him, he was going all in on that hand and he was going home regardless after the fact uh whether he won or lost the hand seen because not only is that not something that you typically hear at the poker table but it was also something that uh this gentleman also was not tilted or drinking or really getting out of line in any other way he just kind of came up with this on his own out of the blue uh he didn't seem to be a very 
strong player, as is going to come to a big shock to a lot of you, I know. But uh, he was complaining about not winning many hands and saying that he'd really like to tip the dealer, but he was not winning the hands. This included one comment saying, I lost 150 bucks trying to tip that son of a... There's one hand where I raised to $25 pre-flop, and he said, Vinticinco. And I responded, English only, sir, in a joking fashion. And he said, you're in Texas, learn Spanish, motherfucker. <laughs> so... Uh, that was pretty hilarious and uh, not all that inaccurate either. Yeah, so just a couple of short instances at that table, which was a lot of fun. And that'll do it for how the turntables week. So thanks for bearing with only myself this time. Review, give us five stars. Please, honestly, I'd really love any feedback on what you thought of this solo podcast. This was all very new for me. Find me at when the chips are down podcast at gmail.com or at Mikey19 on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Coming up in episode 16, Joe and I will welcome a new guest on the podcast and getting down to the final four in March Madness and just a few weeks out from the NHL playoffs. Keep grinding, guys. Thank you.